Hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you, the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan, contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show, and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Right now, everybody looking over there. there apparently, there's a, there's a Charles Oakley over there, Mike. Fight in the, in the stands. Charles Oakley is involved in something. They need security in a big way. Security is there. Oakley now being taken off. And this is an ugly thing to see about a guy who played here for over 10 years, a terrific player. Oakley and the Nick organization have not seen eye to eye recently. Oakley has been very critical about them. Nick organization not happy with that. So it hasn't been a good relationship. Over the last several years, you hear some fans chanting Oakley. He was a beloved player. But all the players were distracted by it. The officials tried to have the game keep going, but it, it was happening in the second row. You see New York City police there. That's security. And Oakley pushing off there, obviously upset at something. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Children of all ages. Hey now. How the hell is everyone doing? My name is J. Scott Smith. And this is episode 31 of J.S.C. Radio. How the hell is everyone doing? As always, a little housekeeping. Want to thank each and every one of you for following me. Follow me on Instagram at J. Scott Smith. Follow me on Twitter at J. Scott Smith. You can also get at me on Facebook at Real J. Scott Smith. I am the original J. Scott Smith. You know where to find me. Plus, you can gotta get the show. You want to get the show? You can get the show on iTunes. Just search JSC Radio. You can get the show on Stitcher. Search JSC Radio on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash J. Scott Smith. And you'll see the JSC Radio Player right at the top of the page, the website that will be hopefully coming very soon. 
hey, I'm a, I'm a one-man band here. I'm working to get all this done, so please bear with me, but the website is coming, and it will be tight. So how are we doing? Another insane week around this country. Things just all over the place, nutty. Some things are really difficult to believe, and that's not even getting into the foolishness that's going on in New York with the Knicks. So as you heard there to start the show, if you thought I wasn't going to say anything about this, if you thought a little bit of time wasn't going to be dedicated to this, man, listen, I I know things have changed in the last 24 hours. I will I will get there. But the Charles Oakley thing, come on. For those who don't follow basketball, for those who don't follow the NBA, what you've seen the last week with Charles Oakley is, in a nutshell, what the New York Knicks are as an organization. Now, as a kid, the Knicks were good. They were legit good. And I was a much bigger NBA fan when I was younger, in the 80s and 90s. I mean, I'll still watch the game, obviously. I still pay attention, clearly. But the Knicks used to be one of my favorite teams, but not anymore. I mean, what else can you say when you see Charles Oakley, a guy, grown-ass man, 53 years old. He's about 10, 12 years removed from having played in the NBA. Spent 10 years with the New York Knicks. And prior to that, he played for the Chicago Bulls. He was a legit tough guy in a sport full of fake tough guys. Charles Oakley kept it as real as real could get. He would have fit in perfectly with the bad boy Pistons. Perfectly. Charles Oakley, almost like Charles Oakley was an honorary bad boy. He would have, if you dropped him on that team with Zeke and Dumars and Lambeer and Rodman and Sally and Vinny Johnson, he would have been perfect. He would have fit that mold. And Oak played with the Knicks at a time when the league wasn't embracing the bad boy thing out of Detroit, but since it's New York, the sacred cow of the NBA, they get away with it. And they were the only team that really could stand toe-to-toe consistently with those Bulls of the 90s. Now, mind you, the only time they beat them is when Jordan had retired, but still, they were the only team that stood toe-to-toe with Jordan's Bulls consistently. But they just couldn't get over the hump. But it wasn't for the lack of trying of Charles Oakley. So you're wondering, what the hell was going on a week ago at Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena? Home to the New York Knicks. Home to the New York Rangers. Home to at least, trying to count, home to at least three WrestleManias from what I can recall. So why the hell was Charles Oakley getting hemmed up, snatched up, and dragged out of Madison Square Garden on national television? What happened to me and four friends uh, went to the game tonight to watch the Knicks and the Clippers. Um... Get there, sit down, try to have a good time. Next thing I know, I, asked, I was asked to leave the building. I asked why. And he said, guys, well, you have to leave because someone ordered you to leave. And I'm like, I've been here four and a half minutes. I'm a Knicks fan. I played here for 10 years. I love the Knicks. I love New York. This is my heart. I wish them all the luck and success as on the basketball court. I wonder why I'm not welcome into the garden. And what happened next? 
they say, oh, nope, some eight guys. More and more kept coming at me, and I'm like, why do I have to leave? And what reason did they give? They said, I have to leave. And they got ordered. And, you know, I was on my back, you know, so disrespectful. But, you know, things happen in life, you know. Luckily, I was, you know, went down, I got booked, and I got out. And how did it escalate from when they asked you to? I mean, we you know somebody walking up on you, you got to protect yourself in all matters. And I've been in a situation like that before. I've been jumped before. So my mind always matters thinking, like, if you see seven, eight, nine, ten guys walking up on you, you have to brace yourself and be ready for the challenge, and that's all I was thinking. Knicks management, I guess, is the one I really got to get into here because Knicks management and the Knicks in general, they are a hot-ass mess of an organization. They, they have been for years. Ever since James Dolan took that team over in 1999, which, coincidentally enough, was the last great year the Knicks had. In 1999, that was that strike-shortened NBA season. The Knicks made the playoffs as the eighth seed after 50 games with a team that probably, if you stretched out the 99 season and they played a full 82, there's a pretty good chance the Knicks were probably going to be a top four seed. That was a four seed that got stuck at number eight. Beat Miami, who was the number one, and then went on this magical run to the NBA Finals, which included Larry Johnson hitting a mystical four-point play in a game against the Indiana Pacers in the conference finals. It was just it was just amazing, startling. They ended up getting hammered by the eventual first-time champion San Antonio Spurs, who have since gone on to win four more of those. And after that, the Knicks have been largely irrelevant. The franchise, the biggest franchise in the biggest market in the country has largely been irrelevant since. I think they've made the playoffs like three times since then. Only one legitimately good year. I don't even think they could believe they'd won 54 games. They ended up losing in the second round of the playoffs in Indiana. Other than that, the Knicks have been largely irrelevant. To see them on national TV would lead you to think that this team is consistently good and consistently deserve to be there. But they don't. They get all the pub, they get all the love, they get all the props, they get treated like they're a top-flight NBA team. They get treated like they're a top-flight NBA franchise. When, for almost two decades, that hasn't borne out. The Knicks have always carried themselves as if they were amongst the upper echelon in the NBA. And, to be fair, during the 1970s, for a fair amount of the 1980s, and... Obviously, for the 1990s, they they were, but not anymore. Whether it's James Dolan, the owner of the team, who, for those of us who are fans of, say, the Detroit Lions, for example, think William Clay Ford, but younger. So he ain't going nowhere. James Dolan is so bad that he got booed during Marc Messier's retirement ceremony in 2005. Literally the only one to get booed. Many former Nick players don't like him. Oakley just so happened to be the loudest one. He didn't hide it. He didn't bite his tongue. Oak is a, he's an interesting mercurial figure, but he don't play around. He'll tell you the truth. And he's, 
he didn't like James Dolan. He said in a New York Times story back in November. And and here's and by the way, here's something funny about that. Charles Oakley is a chef. He actually runs a catering company in Ohio. And they asked him, was like, would you cook for James Dolan? He's like, sure. I might put something in it. That was an actual quote. So in a way, I can get why James Dolan might be a little, huh, about Charles Oakley getting near him. But somehow last week, Charles brought his ass up in Madison Square Garden when the Knicks were playing the Clippers. And he sat down about three rows away from James Dolan. And within five minutes, security and the NYPD ran up on him. And it was not pretty. You've seen the video. You heard the audio at the start of this show. It was a bad, bad, bad look. One of your all-time fan-favorite enforcers. A guy, while he was not on a team that won a championship, he was the heart and soul of a team that was a monster. They were dogs back then. Those Knicks, I liked. I liked the the mid-'90s Knicks. Not these current new booty Knicks. I don't like them. I like those 90s Knicks, the Ewing and John Starks and Oakley Knicks, those guys, that team that had Doc Rivers on it, those guys, the the Charlie Ward team, those guys. Give me those Knicks. I mess with those Knicks. I don't mess with these current ones. So to have a guy from an era that New Yorkers love so much, and Knicks fans, I'll get to you in a second, that New Yorkers love so much, to have that guy essentially get rushed up out the club on national TV. Because that's what happened. He got rushed out the club like a guy who had one too many drinks and was starting just a touch too much trouble. So to have that happen to Charles Oakley on national TV is disgraceful. Like getting, I mean, yeah, Charles wasn't handling it very well, just sticking his finger in a man's face and mushing him in there. That's not the easiest way to endear yourself to security. So I'm not going to sit here and act like this man was totally, totally justified in what he did. He's lucky in that aspect. But to have him rushed up out the stadium on national TV while you sit there with this dopey look on your face, knowing you had something to do with it the whole time. I mean, could you imagine the Pistons doing this to Rick Mahorn? You think Robert Parrish would get treated like this in Boston? This entire Charles Oakley episode has shown the rest of the country what I've known about the Knicks for nearly two decades. They are a second-rate organization, poorly masquerading as an elite one. They like to put themselves in that same breath as other historic NBA franchises like the Boston Celtics, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Chicago Bulls, hell, the Detroit Pistons. And I dare you to challenge me on putting the Pistons in that grouping. I I dare you. Try me. They got more championships than the Knicks do, and they had a much bigger influence on the game the last 25, 30 years than the Knicks have. Those 90s Knicks were trying to be like the late 80s, early 90s Pistons. I already know that saying that is going to piss off a few people in New York. Well, guess what? I don't care. The Knicks are a second-rate team, and that's really, really damaging considering New York is a legit mecca for basketball, not just in the United States, around the world. I've been to New York. I love that there are basketball courts everywhere. I've been on the East Coast for about two and a half years now, and I would love to get up to Rucker Park and see all the different, all the, I mean, it's like, it's basket. Ball is life, dude. Ball is life in New York. So how the hell are the two NBA franchises 
in that city so garbage. I mean, we kind of understand why the Nets are garbage. The Nets have always been trash. Even when they were good, they were trash. They were a trash organization. They were a trash team. They were always going to be second rate. I totally understand that. I get that side of things. But the Knicks have no excuse. Madison Square Garden is intimidating as hell until, you know, the Knicks get on the floor. Madison Square Garden is this epic, iconic arena. There ain't many of them left in this country. Boston Garden ain't here no more. Chicago Stadium ain't here no more. Great Western Forum ain't here no more. The fabulous Forum in LA ain't here no more. Madison Square Garden is a built-in advantage. You're in friggin' New York. You New York should not be ass on a yearly basis in the NBA. It shouldn't be. And yes, I'm counting the Nets for this one reason. The Nets got this brand new shiny arena. They make this big move back to New York from New Jersey. They had one pretty good year, one mediocre year, and have been just the rest of the time. And I don't know what the hell else to say to that. And yes, I know I'm some jagoff living in Philadelphia, but rooting for the Detroit Pistons. Guess what? In my lifetime, I've seen my team win three championships and should have won at least two more. The Knicks? You're a Nick fan? If you're a Nick fan who's my age, I'm 37. If you're a Nick fan who's my age, what the hell have you gotten from that franchise in your life? A few good battles with Jordan's Bulls? Guess what? My team had some battles with Jordan's Bulls. We actually won a few of them too. You got a couple of trips to the NBA Finals where you got your heart ripped out in 1994 and you got your head kicked in in 1999. And what else? You got a few good years out of Bernard King. You got a Hall of Fame career out of Patrick Ewing, but you weren't able to win any damn thing. And now, I got to be subjected to at least one Nick game every 10 days on ESPN like you're the damn Dallas Cowboys or you're the damn New England Patriots. When in all honesty, if you're going to put the Knicks on TV once every 10 days, might as well put the Pistons on TV every 10 days. Pistons have a better record, and they're garbage this year. I want to see the New York Knicks as much as I want to see the Charlotte Hornets on national TV, or as much as I want to see the Sacramento Kings, but at least the Kings have DeMarcus Cousins, and you don't know what the hell's going to happen with him. Carmelo Anthony, oh yeah, that's another funny thing. The Knicks, when I say they are a second-rate organization, I don't just mean that in terms of how they treated Oakley. Look at how they treated Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo, prior to the Oakley thing, Carmelo was the guy in ownership's crosshairs, and in the crosshairs of the front office, which includes Phil friggin' Jackson. That guy, remember him? All those championships, you know, except the one that the Pistons made sure he didn't get in 2004. That one, that guy, they've been openly talking about trading Carmelo. I did a whole show on Carmelo. You can go back to episode 21. Great show. Go back and check that one out. Dope show. But just speaking solely in terms of the Knicks, it it was just like, he's your best player. He's your marquee player. Kristaps Porzingis, probably in a couple of years. But right now, he's your best player and you're openly talking about trading him and really going out of your way to crap on his value. So why do that? Why? And then you get back to this Oakley thing where they're publicly calling Oakley a drunk and and Nick's PR is putting out these memos, these messages to the press saying that Oakley is seeking treatment, basically calling him an alcoholic, which Oakley has denied. And then on Sunday, and yet another nationally televised game featuring the Knicks, you got Dolan sitting on the damn courtside, sitting on the sidelines with Larry Johnson and Latrell Sprewell. 
Two other guys he hasn't exactly been in the best of places with magically appear next to him. And I'm not sure whether that was meant to kind of throw a little shade at Oakley or they're going to act as security in case Oakley somehow slid up in there. I tweeted this out on Sunday. I've been watching pro wrestling since 1985. I know a wrestling angle when I see one. And if this thing don't end with Latrell Sprewell versus Charles Oakley at Madison Square Garden with Dolan in Oakley's, excuse me, Dolan in Sprewell's corner, then what the hell are we going through all this for? Well, apparently at some point yesterday, Michael Jordan intervened. Jordan, really good friends with Oakley, former teammates, because people of a certain age tend to forget that Oakley started his career in Chicago as an enforcer with the Bulls. He and the Pistons used to get tangled up a lot in the late 80s. And Oak and Jordan are still really good friends. Jordan is also the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, and he gets in Dolan's ear. And he's able to get these guys to break bread, and apparently the ban on Oakley, because Oakley was banned from MSG, you remember. The ban on Oakley was lifted after like four days, and apparently for now, everything is cool. But you've got to understand that with the Knicks, this is a daily thing. This is a constant thing. It was Carmelo at one point. Now it's Oakley. Who's next? You know you know what's not going to be next? Playoffs. That's not going to be next. Championships ain't going to be next. They're going to finish another season at least, I don't know, 7 to 10 games under 500. And if not for the fact that the bottom of the East was such a dumpster fire, they wouldn't even come within a sniff of the playoffs. But since the East is so terrible, and to be fair, the West is too, each conference is such trash on the back end. A team like the Knicks could be six, seven, eight games under 500 and be a seven or eight seed and make the playoffs just to get out in front of Boston or Cleveland and get your head caved in. And what good does that do? I mean, I'm going to sit here and spend an entire episode, you know, and you'd see how well I'm doing two weeks into the hey, JSC Radio is not simply a sports show thing. I go Super Bowl last week, NBA this week. Why don't I just try for baseball next week? Why the hell not? I'm sitting here talking about this foolishness with the New York Knicks. I don't even like the Knicks. Knicks aren't even my team. Get it together. Get your shit together. I mean, why? You're New York. I shouldn't be talking about you like this. The only teams in that city that should be trash on a regular basis are the Nets, Jets, and Islanders. What's going on with you, Knicks? I mean, at least if you're going to be all over my TV, try not to be a big old pile of basura in front of me. All right? Thanks a lot. Coming up after this break, the other major NBA story over the last week was Kevin Durant making his return to Oklahoma City. You remember in episode 13, I talked about Kevin Durant going from OKC up to Oakland to join up with the Golden State Warriors and how I had no issue whatsoever with him doing it. Guess what? I still ain't got an issue with him doing it. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is JSC Radio episode number 31. We'll be back after this. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel, and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. 
Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kendall Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Now if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. If you don't have the Stitcher app, simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. Kevin, you admitted that you were anxious coming into this game. Didn't know how it would go being back here in Oklahoma City. How was it for you? It was a fun game. A physical game. Both teams came out and played extremely hard. Now, you said you thought that you were going to get booed, but actually hearing it, seeing the cupcake signs, hearing the fans that used to cheer you, what was that like for you? I, I actually thought it would be a little louder, but, uh, you know, it was fun. You know, I was on the other side of it, you know, to, to become one of these guys now where they boo you is kind of fun. So, you know, I got to embrace it. That's all I can do and keep playing my game and keep preparing the way I prepare and enjoy every, every game as well. So, you know, it was fun. Now, you and Russell seemed to exchange words at one point. You were head-to-head with, and- with Andre Robertson. What were your former teammates saying to you? I don't even remember. I was lost in the game. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here on episode 31 of the People's Podcast. Again, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Instagram at Jay Scott Smith. You can get at me on Facebook at Real J Scott Smith. You know where to find me. Plus, of course, thank you for subscribing to the show on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on Stitcher. So, on what has turned into a very basketball-heavy episode, you heard coming in out of this break, Kevin Durant went back, quote-unquote, home to Oklahoma City, and he got such a warm and rousing reception from the very classy individuals down in Oklahoma City. Now, look. I already did an episode talking about this. Episode 13, way back in July, shortly after he signed with the Golden State Warriors, Kevin Durant became public enemy number one because, and I talked about it at length, because of this ridiculously backwards notion that he somehow should not have gone to the Warriors because the Warriors beat them the year before. So therefore, you can't go join up with them because that using Neanderthal fake tough guy logic makes you soft. I say that makes you smart. And I laid out my whole reasoning behind that. Simply put, he left for a better job. I laid it all the way out there. Left for a better job. Go back through the archives to episode 13. That's something I'm starting to hear as my show is starting to gain more and more listeners, by the way. A lot of people are just getting on board with this thing and they didn't hear the early episodes. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on SoundCloud. And go all the way back to almost a year ago when I started. If you want to play catch up, feel free. Please do. I enjoy it. You see it on Instagram. 
I put those cards up kind of showing you what I've talked about in the past. Don't think just because you're getting on now you can't go back and listen. It's all right there for you. So while you take a chance to dip back into memory lane and then come back here, simply put, I laid out why I didn't have an issue with Kevin Durant going to the Golden State Warriors. Because bluntly, any of you would have done it too. You can sit there and talk tough on Facebook or on Twitter or jump bad in public about how you would have stayed loyal. You would have been loyal. You got to be loyal. No, you don't. That team could have gotten rid of him whenever they saw fit. And he wouldn't have been able to do a damn thing about it. So I'm supposed to just keep losing or keep coming up short or keep playing on a team that's not good enough or playing for an organization that's not good enough. Why? So you can feel better. So you can be happy. So you can feel like I was loyal to you. Where all you're going to do is call me names and say I'm a loser and say I'm not tough enough. You know, a lot of the stuff they were saying about him in Oklahoma City before he left. They got to deal with, no matter how great of an individual player he is, I got to deal with Russell Westbrook being a little unstable and wanting to go play hero ball all the time. I don't blame him for leaving. Oh, but he's joining up with a bunch of all-stars already. That's soft. That's smart. Anybody who says that pretty much has never actually known what it's like to win. I don't mean win like they talk about at the White House. I mean actual winning, legitimate winning. Y'all don't know what it's like to win. You think I'm going to sit here on a team with one other all-star when a team with three of them wants me to come and join up? Shit. I'm, I'm on the first thing smoking to the bay. So you kill that noise right off rip. The thing about last Saturday was is that Durant goes back here to play in this stadium, which up until this season had pretty much been all he'd known since this organization bailed on the city of Seattle in the dead of night, basically. Yeah, it's funny. An organization that wasn't even loyal to the actual city it came from with their fans who are not actual fans of the original franchise. Original franchise daring to call someone else disloyal. Your franchise literally bailed on the city where it made its name. But you're calling him disloyal. I saw this meme. You know the meme with the British dude who's pointing at his dome, the, the really smart cat saying, how can I be a traitor to Oklahoma City? I was drafted by Seattle. And he was. He was drafted by Seattle Supersonics. He wasn't drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder. He don't owe you anything. Period. And Kevin Durant over there. And I started to notice it the last couple of years that he was in Oklahoma City. Kevin Durant went from this smiling, affable, really friendly dude to basically who he really is. Kevin Durant is a heel. Kevin Durant is a jerk. Kevin Durant, can't he can't stand you. Kevin Durant hates your guts. And that heel turn had been coming for about two years. And he fully embraced it in the Bay. And the Warriors are once again the best team in the NBA. Cleveland fell on their face in the month of January and pretty much it's all up to them again. So the Warriors are right back basically where they were last year few more losses, but they weren't going to win 73 again this year anyway. But Durant is up there, and he's winning. And it's pissed off so many people in Oklahoma City. And I'm still trying to understand something here. Let me get this straight. Somehow this guy is soft. And the very creative souls in Oklahoma City have decided they're going to create this nickname and start calling him, quote, a cupcake. Yes, he's a cupcake. 
I guess they're saying he's soft and he's sweet and he's a cupcake. And they're chanting this at him and selling these really goofy looking Oklahoma City Thunder colored cupcake t-shirts. They even had some jagoff, some doofus, bouncing around in a cupcake mascot costume. And they're calling him all kinds of names. And they're being really, just, really disgusting to this guy. And of course, in typical meathead sports radio land, it's, oh, should the Warriors, I mean, not the Warriors, should the Thunder fans have booed Kevin Durant? Sure! I never said they shouldn't be mad. I never said they should boo him. What I'm saying is, stop acting like what he did was some egregious offense. As I said in episode 13, it's not like he did what LeBron did, which is go on national TV and basically clown the Cavalier organization. Durant was very respectful. He thanked everybody in OKC. He expressed why he made the decision to leave. His decision, by the way. He's a free agent. And I feel I have to stress this. He's a free agent. He goes wherever the hell he wants. If he wanted to go to Detroit, I wouldn't have had an issue with that. If he wanted to go to Detroit, would that have made you feel better? If he'd have gone to, say, Phoenix, would that have made you feel better? Would that have made you little snowflakes down in Oklahoma City feel better? Huh? If he'd gone to Orlando, would that have made you feel better? If he'd gone to Charlotte or some team that doesn't pose a threat to you, does that make you feel good? What if he'd gone to the Clippers? Clippers are pretty good. Well, they were. Would that have bothered you? If he'd gone to the Lakers, would that have bugged you? Had he gone home to the Washington Wizards, would that have would that have offended your sensibilities? Maybe he should have gone to Portland. Maybe go to Minneapolis. Go play for the Timberwolves. Go play in Minnesota. How about the Knicks? No. We've done enough talking about them for at least six months. But you get what I'm saying. Apparently, if you don't sign with us, you can't sign with a team that's better than us because that'll hurt our feelings and that'll prove how soft you are. No. That's BS. So the Warriors come sauntering their way into Oklahoma City, having de-pantsed Oklahoma City twice already this year. But this is the first time Durant is back in this building. And boy, howdy. Did Durant start to get a little loose on Oklahoma City, it was almost like he was familiar with his surroundings. The key, you always find out for how long will they be able to hold it up every time he touches his first shot. That might have something to do with the diminishing of the booze. The entire Oklahoma City organization credit. Durant knocks that one down. He's now two for five. You're right, Jeff. They're 31 and 23. Three of eight from the field. Seven points, seven rebounds, and three assists. Durant fires away and knocks down the three. His first three-pointer, and he's now three of nine from the field. Go batted around, picked up by Durant. Avoids Westbrook. Robertson right on him. Durant drives and finishes strong. And Durant now trying to come alive. He's got 13. Now Robertson, corner three. Another miss from downtown. Durant ahead of the pack. Like the first team to really it was race it. And 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 Coach Patino because of his and Durant knocks in a three because of his experience in the NBA game. Pass. Oh, Durant. 
throws it down on a gorgeous cut to the basket. Have Steph Curry. <laughs> what are you talking about? Okay. Durant, catch and shoot, rattles it home right off the bench. Durant, way downtown. Bang! Kevin Durant drills the three-pointer. All in all, turned out to be a pretty damn good night for Mr. Cupcake, Kevin Durant. And by the way, the origin of the cupcake thing isn't just simply the fans being a bunch of jerk-offs. Apparently, the cupcake thing started when Durant, Westbrook, and Kendrick Perkins were teammates. When Perkins played for them, he called any teammate he thought was being soft a cupcake. Westbrook and Durant turned this into an inside joke. So when Westbrook posted a picture on Instagram of three plates of cupcakes, the stupid fans thought he was trying to call Durant soft when really it was just an inside joke. After the game, the only people joking were the Warriors between Draymond Green and Steph Curry and even Roz Gold on Wude, the sideline reporter for the Warriors, all wearing those stupid cupcake t-shirts. Kevin Durant's mother got a hold of one of those t-shirts and started trolling Oklahoma City for him. Michael Thompson, Clay Thompson's dad and the former NBA player, put out a simple tweet. Quote, if he, KD, is a cupcake, then I'll take a dozen to go. Look, man, I said it in episode 13, and I'm going to reiterate it now. I know what it's like to lose a star player to free agency. I get it. I'm a fan of the Detroit Pistons. I told you my Grant Hill story. I was pissed. Everybody's pissed at Grant Hill for a long time. That turned out to be a blessing in disguise for the Pistons. Remember, being from Detroit, I remember Barry Sanders quitting on the Detroit Lions, retired the day training camp started. Calvin Johnson retired last year after pretty much dragging it out for two months. He, he retired. I'm used to this. But to throw the hissy fit that they threw down there in OKC and calling him Cupcake and harassing his mom, if you're going to do all that, and that's another thing. I mentioned Westbrook. If you're going to start yelling and getting chesty and mouthing off to Kevin Durant, try not to do so when you're down 20. Try not to do so when ever since you mocked Steph Curry as you were blowing a 3-1 lead in the playoffs last year, you haven't beat him since. Ever since you wore this outfit to try to mock Kevin Durant, you haven't beat him yet. I'm just saying, you're, you're like tiptoeing on a really fine line on being idiots and looking like total losers if you're going to keep trying to troll somebody but not win. If you're going to troll, troll. I got on the Cavaliers for their constant 3-1 trolling. Guess what? They won. So you got you to gotta put up with a little bit of crap. Warriors ain't got to take no shit from you considering that they've Run you out of the gym. Durant's dropped a 40-burger on you this year in Oakland. You might want to chill with the cupcake nonsense. Right before I go, I would be remiss in this ball-is-life, basketball-heavy episode that I'm doing here on Valentine's Day. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the UConn women. Because the UConn women have gone on the most insane win streak I've ever heard of. Absolutely insane. They've won a hundred consecutive games. Let me say that again. They've won 100 
consecutive games. I mean, that there's there's not a way to quantify that. When you think of a hundred, a hundred of anything, whether it's a baseball team winning 100 games in a season, or or Wilt Chamberlain scoring 100 points in a game, it's like, are you kidding me? Like really? What the what the hell, man? They've won 100 consecutive games after a two-point overtime loss to Stanford in November of 2014. That loss, by the way, put an end to what was a 47-game win streak at that point. So if you're doing the math, in 148 games, the UConn women's basketball team has gone a robust 147-1. and that's, that makes no that makes no damn sense. You want to know what else doesn't make any damn sense? The margins of victory of the 100 games that they've won consecutively, 98 of them, 98 of those wins have been by double figures, at least 10 points or more. Only twice, only twice have the games been inside of 10. They had a game against Florida State in the opening night of the season. Florida State was up four at halftime. They ended up winning by two in just a crazy finish. And they beat Maryland by six. Those are the only two close games. The only two games that ended in single digits. The other 98, 10 points or more. To make it even more silly, 56 of these wins have been by at least 40 points. 56, more than half by 40 or more. 25% of the wins are by 50 or more. Nine times they've won a game by at least 60 points. Twice by 65. How does that happen? And I get that they're a dominant team. To win 100 consecutive games, you have to be. When the UCLA men, with Bill Walton and the like, won 88 consecutive games, you have to be dominant. But damn, there's dominant And then there's that. 25 wins of 50 points or more. 56 wins of 40 or more. Let's stretch it out even more. 71 of them, 30 points or more. So 70% of the time, when they play during this streak, they're beating you by 30. It's a 40-burger at least 56% of the time. That's insane. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, you know, it's women, so the competition is weaker. No, look, I don't give a damn if they're playing a bunch of koala bears and ocelots. To drop 100 consecutive wins on anything is incredible. Unreal. To only have two games where you're even pushed out of 100, meaning that you could pay, you could basically play the absolute perfect game against them and lose by 10 Eight, if you're having a really good night. If you keep them inside of 10, you've had the best night of your life. Congrats to the UConn women. That is outlandish. And I'm I'm at the point where it's like, hey, if they're going to go into the NCAA tournament essentially as Goro from friggin' Mortal Kombat, they should just basically have to play everybody. Or whoever gets into this tournament, UConn should just sit there and wait for the winner of it. UConn should not have to play in that tournament. They should just get a bye straight to the championship game. And whoever wins that tournament then gets them. Because I don't know what else I can do. What, you make UConn play every single team? 
if there's a 64-team tournament, do I have UConn play all 63 of the opponents and have them just play like two-a-days starting in like January and then just go blasting through them all? Do whatever you got to do. But I, I don't think we'll ever see anything like this. Man or woman, team sport individual, you're never going to see anything like this. Well, they still need 74 more consecutive wins to pass Bill Goldberg's all-time streak. My name is Jay Scott Smith, telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Ball is life, y'all. Have a great week. I'll be back at you next week with episode 32. Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.